Honor AANHPI heritage, communities, and families today by getting vaccinated for a safer tomorrow. Vaccination greatly reduces your chance of having COVID symptoms like fatigue, pain, and memory problems that last for months. Protect your tomorrow with a vaccine today. Talk to a doctor if you have questions. Find vaccines and boosters near you at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Welcome to another episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have Dr. Joyce Park. Dr. Joyce Park, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Of course. I'm also very excited to have you here. So let's hop into the first question. Tell us about yourself and what your upbringing was like. So I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in a Taiwanese household. My parents both immigrated from Taipei to the U.S. My dad came I think in the 80s to actually Ohio, where he was a master's student learning graphics design and computer engineering. And then my mom immigrated shortly thereafter to California. They met in California and basically settled down and had a family. So I grew up in the Bay Area pretty much my whole life, went to high school, college, med school in the Bay. And I will say the Bay Area is very diverse. So I never really felt like I was an outsider. It was very, very diverse in all of my schooling, all of my extracurricular activities. So it wasn't really until I moved to New York City for dermatology residency that I had my first experience with what living in a diverse community could really look like. Well, that's, that sounds awesome. And I live in the Bay for six years, right? I could I could agree that it's really diverse there. You meet a lot of interesting characters, especially in tech. So I'm kind of curious, like, was there any academic pressures by your parents to like perform really well or become a doctor? <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of curious. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I think about this a lot, you know, because I am a mom now. My son is two and a half years old. And I often think about what type of parent I want to be to him and what kind of ways I want to steer him or guide him in terms of his future career. I mean, he's very young, but I still think about this. So my dad, interestingly, his dream for me was always to become a piano teacher. I think growing up, he was one of eight children and he never had the opportunity in Taiwan to take piano lessons, but it was his dream. You know, they just didn't have money for him to go and have those lessons and or have a piano at home. And so when it came to me, I was going to live out his dream, right? I think oftentimes children live out their parents' dreams. And so I started playing piano at a really young age, at the age of four. And piano was probably the biggest part of my life until I turned 18. I would practice two plus hours a day. I competed. It was a really large part of my life. And honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with it because there was a lot of good that came from it, but also it was very, very stressful. And so my dad's dream for me was actually to become either a concert pianist or a piano teacher. That was just his dream. And then my mom, she always had a dream of me becoming a doctor. And so I think this stemmed from 
her growing up in Taiwan and one of her best friends became a physician and she always felt like her best friend is so empowered and so smart and so brilliant. And she wanted that for me, for me to make my own money and for me to have control over my own career and my own finances. And so that was something that she had dreamed of for me since I was a little girl. So then where does that leave me, right? So I think I explored a lot of things growing up. My parents exposed me to pretty much every single extracurricular you can think of, just like all great parents do, all great Asian tiger parents do. I tried everything, gymnastics, soccer, ballerina, art classes, cooking classes, acting classes, writing classes, science camp, nature camp. I did everything. And I think what stuck with me was my time volunteering in the hospital in high school and being able to be around patients and kind of see firsthand the effects that the medical team had on the patients and their families that left a really deep impact on me. And I think eventually that is what sparked my interest in medicine. Oh, I love the way you did your storytelling, right? It's so insightful and it gives me or gives audience and myself like a huge, huge picture of how your experiences shape who you are today, right? And I think it's awesome to hear that, you know, your dad had other dreams for you besides like the medical path, the accountants, the doctors, the lawyers, whatever it is, right? That's really awesome to hear because I don't think that wasn't, I don't think that was an option for me at all. <laughs> oh, really? What were your options? Becoming a podcast host? No, that's becoming a business person was the last thing my parents wanted me to be, right? Because they're business people and they're small business owners and they're like, it sucks. We work 24 seven. Like, I don't want you to do it. You're college educated. Go be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is. Right. And then I left my engineering job. Then <laughs> it became, became really broke for the first two years before I figure out how to make money. But yeah, going back to your story, I really like like that path that your that impression that your parents made for you for like giving you so many options, exposing you to so many different things. Right. I know you're currently a doctor, but I do want to dive into like the piano side. Right. Because I feel like the skills and discipline and outside thinking from music and arts can also influence the person you are today, right? Do you feel like that music side of you when you were growing up has influenced the person you are today, especially in the creative side? Wow. You know, I haven't thought about my piano in a really long time. And it's something that's actually very emotional for me because it, like I mentioned, there was a lot of positives associated with it, but there was a lot of trauma with it too. But I definitely think that it did impact and shape who I am today because I think about all the hours that I spent on that piano bench, just perfecting, like playing the same parts over and over again, you know, right hand separately, left hand separately, putting it together, making sure it was a hundred percent perfect, memorizing it, being able to perform. I think back to the times that I performed in front of hundreds of people. I had the opportunity in high school to perform as a soloist with an orchestra. And that was just such a beautiful experience. When I think back to it, I had to get over my stage fright. I had to get over any nervousness, any jitters, and just go out there and perform. And I actually, up until this moment, I forgot that I was a performer until you reminded me of that, because it has been a very long time since I performed in that way. But I guess if you think about it from a different angle, on social media, I kind of am performing every day in a different setting. I don't see my audience in front of me physically, but they're there. So I do think that all of that training, that dedication, that fine tuning of my skills, it did help me become the performer that I kind of am today. 
<laughs> and I love your content on social media, by the way. It's so cheerful, so happy. Thank you. You know, it's just your voice that. is very smoothing as well. And like the way you make your information very digestible. It's like, I love, I love it. Right. And that's the reason why like opportunity came to reach out to you to be in the podcast. It's like, I'll reach out to uh, Dr. Joyce Park to see if she's interested in being in the podcast. And luckily you're here. So thank you so much for that. No, thanks for the invite. Honestly, when I send content out there into the universe, I sometimes forget that people actually watch it because, you know, I'm just like cringingly dancing in my room. And I don't think that it's actually going to reach someone and that the information and the healthcare information that I share is actually going to impact someone's life. So it always means a lot for me to hear that. Of course. And I know like the medical path for you has not been extremely easy, right? And I did have opportunity to read through your blog and, you know, pretty excited that you've been keeping up with your blog since 2011, right? So about 12 years now. And there's a, there's a piece, uh, uh, like an intro that you wrote that really caught my attention that you said in 2013, you were unclear of where your medical path was going, right? And I do want to dive deep into that too, because I feel like it's not talked about enough right? Especially people in the medical field. Oftentimes people in the medical field that I know personally make it seem very easy. They make it seem like it's not a problem. I got this, whatever. But I see my, my doctor friends today and I, I realize now that I'm older reflecting back that they went through a lot of trauma because one of my college, one of my high school best friends became a surgeon. And when he was going to residency, that was his first time seeing a lot of blood, dead people, you know, it's deceased people, people. And he always hit me up afterwards be hey can we go get a drink and there's like a monday <laughs> you know and i, I want to be able to talk about that in this podcast with you too and what kind of experience that you went through and what kind of uncertainties did you face uh back when you were a medical student i think in medical school i always felt like i somehow snuck in you know you hear about this imposter syndrome and i think i had it and i think i still have it to be honest with you I remember going to orientation week for medical school at Stanford, which is where I went, and looking around at all of the brilliant classmates that were standing around. I think it was like a barbecue that we were having. And I just felt like I somehow snuck in, like they made a mistake. I didn't quite belong. Someone was going to figure out that, hey, this girl snuck in, (laughs) get her out of here. And I think that continued to follow me through. And that blog post that you're referencing, if it's the one that I think of, it's the one where I really felt lost. Like I didn't know exactly which field I wanted to go into. I didn't know what field I could even get into. And I just wasn't feeling very certain about my future as a physician. And it really struck me at that time, because like you, I always thought that if I just played by the rules, followed the steps, you know, you get into medical school, then you decide on your doc- the doctor you're going to be, you get into residency, then you become an attending, and then your whole life is set. But over the past, you know, decade, decade and a half, I've just learned again and again that nothing is set in stone. And so in medical school, I had this moment where I was coming off of my gap year where I did medical journalism for a year. That's what got me started in social media and it changed my life. I was coming back from that year and my whole medical school career, I was preparing to be an ophthalmologist, which is an eye surgeon. And then I finally did a rotation in ophthalmology and I absolutely hated it. And I had to be super honest with myself, Brian. I had to say, should I just go ahead and apply? Cause you know, I'm already ready for this application. Applications open in three months and I'm not prepared to apply in anything else. But I had to be really honest with myself because I knew I would hate my life if I had to 
do a job that I didn't really truly enjoy every day. And so at that moment, one of my mentors suggested that I just try a dermatology elective. And I completely brushed him aside because dermatology is really competitive to get into. It's one of the most competitive specialties. And I was so intimidated. I didn't think that I could have a chance at getting in. But thanks to him, he probably doesn't even know the impact he had on my life. He persisted. He said, just give it a try. Why not? And so I went into it, did the rotation, fell in love with it. And then I decided to switch into applying to dermatology pretty much, yeah, three months before applications opened. And it was a really, really stressful year. I I write about it in that blog post. It was, I felt really depressed, really down on myself. I had very low self-confidence that year. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable with us today and sharing that side of the story because it's a lot to go through at the time, right? And I think when you're a medical student, you're like trying to live up to expectations from not only your parents, but your peers and how you view yourself. Because from their point of view, it's like, you know, you kind of quote unquote half made it already. You get you get to med- like top medical school at Stanford. You have everything working out for you. And in a way, I do feel like it is really lonely because it's practically no one to talk to because no one will understand, right? And we're at the verge of our careers and lives at that point where it's everyone's focusing themselves. Like, what am I doing in my life? And you're not the only one asking yourself that question. Everyone in every single industry asks themselves those questions. Like, what am I doing in my life? And I'm really glad how you're able to, to think back, reflect, and capture those moments for us to talk about today, right? Because you don't know who else is going through the same feeling right now. And to my surprise too, I was talking to another a medical influencer. She went to Harvard Medical School and she almost said something very identical to you. I snuck in. I, I don't belong here. I thought that was really surprising because to me, like, I think you guys are really smart and you guys are really intelligent, very articulate. Right. And it's crazy to hear that perspective from multiple Asian medical influencers that went to top tier medical schools. Right. And to me, listen to you guys talking like, if you guys think you're, you guys snuck in, what do I think of myself? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. You know, I even when I got to NYU Durham, I felt so intimidated by my co-residents. Like I felt like they were so smart, like they just deserved to be there. And I I can't explain it. It's something that I'm constantly battling and something that I like to speak up about because I think a lot of other people feel this way. And I think I'm slowly finally getting to this point in my life now. I'm about to turn 35 in a couple of weeks. I'm finally getting to this point where I look back and I say, okay, I think I deserved it. I think I earned it. So yeah, I'm a work in progress. I want to say that too. I think you deserved it. I think you earned it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously I'm a huge fan of you just being on the podcast today and on social media as well. Let's talk a little bit more about how you got yourself into social media. And you know, you have pretty pretty good traction, pretty good success so far. How did you make time for everything? I know that you're a new mom as well. You're working in the medical field, you're a social media influencer, and you're a mom. You know, mom's a full-time job already. How do you make time and organize your day for everything? I never feel like I have enough time for everything. I think it's it's hard. You know, I started my social media account back in medical school during that year off in journalism that I alluded to before. That was when I started my blog as part of a requirement for my fellowship year. And I started Instagram during intern year where I 
was very depressed and felt like I just went into the wrong field. I'll share one little tidbit about intern year. So intern year, you know, we all have very strict schedules about when you're supposed to be doing inpatients and when you're supposed to be doing clinics, which is a slightly better schedule. Unfortunately, one of our interns quit three months in to go join a startup. And so because he left, the rest of us were pulled to cover all of his hospital shifts for the entire year. And so just that one little action on his part really affected all of us for the rest of the year. So intern year was really hard for me. And Instagram was kind of my outlet. You know, I would post pictures of flowers and random things that made me happy. And it wasn't until I got into dermatology residency in New York that I started taking it more seriously. And I started posting more about skin health and dermatology. And then during COVID, during the pandemic, I was on maternity leave. That's when TikTok exploded. And I started doing a couple TikToks and that just took off. And so all along the way, I did social media because it was fun for me. It was an outlet. It was a hobby. And I never expected it to be a lucrative, a lucrative field, I guess, but somehow it has become, you know, a source of income for me, which I'm very grateful for. And so because of social media, I've been able to cut back on my clinical hours where now I'm at the point where I'm setting up my own practice and I want to practice medicine on my own terms, where I can see patients in the way that I want to and spend time with them the way that I want to without some hospital administrator telling me what I have to do. Wow. I mean, that is amazing to hear, right? And that's the power of social media. I think that most people should not underestimate social media. I think when TikTok finally came around, became more mainstream, a lot of people kind of dubbed it as the kids app, the teens app, right? But I think it's extremely powerful, right? To like express yourself, to share knowledge, especially. And I think this is a good segment to talk about this segment. <laughs> so yes. this, this segment is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And in this segment, uh, we want to talk about the importance of getting vaccinated, right? And we understand that there's a lot of misinformation on social media. There's a need for medical experts to really share the appropriate knowledge and the correct knowledge out there. And I want to talk to you about this too and, and your opinions on why our community, especially the Asian community, should all get vaccinated. I mean, I think it is super, super important for everyone to be vaccinated against COVID-19. I mean, to me, honestly, it's a no-brainer, right? It will help dramatically reduce the risk of fatality, of being hospitalized, of being very sick from COVID. And, you know, I'll share something personal here. My uncle passed away from COVID in 2021, and he passed away a month before the vaccine came out. And it was incredibly hard for my family to accept because he was completely healthy. He had, he was in his seventies. He never got sick. He exercised, he worked out, he ate well. He, my cousin was carrying his first grandson on the way. So none of us expected that to happen. And the fact that he passed away because he couldn't get vaccinated, right? It wasn't available to him. That's why he's gone. It kills me that we have a vaccine now that can prevent other people from going down that same path as him and that people are not taking it. I think we have to put aside the politics. We have to put aside, you know, whatever it is that you think the other side is trying to do, trying to brainwash you or, you know, I don't even know what all of these these conspiracy theories are about, but you have to put that aside and think about not only your health, 
but the health of your community. My son is two and a half, so he's not old enough to be vaccinated. So he is in constant risk every day that I take him out. And to be fair, I barely take him out. He has not had a normal childhood because I don't take him indoors anywhere in public. And I hate that it's like that, but we just have to band together and get through this as a community and look out for each other. That's all we can do. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm so sorry to hear about your uncle, right? And yeah, yeah I mean, for my situation too, I, I did have a couple of friends that passed away from COVID unexpectedly. And, you know, it sucks. It sucks that, you know, there's a virus out there and to prevent it, it's, I wouldn't say it's pretty preventable, but, you know, obviously you're still at risk uh, if you still get vaccinated, but it could be prevented, right? And you don't do it for yourself. You do it for your loved ones around you because you don't know what you're exposed to, right? Exactly. And you don't know if you're putting your uncles and family and moms and dad at risk, especially when they're at an older age. So I think that the best thing for us to do out there is just, you know, do our own research, especially, right? Understand that sometimes the naysayers are much louder than the people speaking facts. Right. And, and also to choose carefully the people who are speaking facts, right? Like, we're not in a pre-social media era where you can't get access to doctors who are talking about science and talking about evidence-based information. There's a lot of doctors now out there who are putting out the facts and explaining the studies and explaining the reasoning for getting vaccinated. So I just implore everybody to, like you, meant, like you mentioned, do your research, listen to the doctors, make the right decision, right? Think about people, think about your community, that goes beyond just yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that insight, Dr. Joyce Park. I really appreciate that. And let's uh, quickly change the subject real quick and talk about the type of video content that you put out on social media, right? What is your creative process like? Like when you wake up, you're like, I'm going to make a video today. And like, do you have a whiteboard <laughs> process? Do you have a outline process? Like, how does that process work? Oh my gosh, no one has ever asked me that before. You know what it is? I think typically... As I go about my day, if an idea strikes me, I'll just write it down in my notes app and then I batch film because I'm so busy, you know, taking care of my son and setting up my practice that I don't have time to just be like ready to film at any moment. So what I usually do is I'll either save a bunch of videos on TikTok that I want to react to or use the sounds. And then I also record ideas in my notes app and then a couple days a week usually one day a week, if I'm lucky, I'll actually sit down, put on my makeup and then just film for like three hours. So that's the only way I can really be efficient and get things done. I love it. It's crazy hearing everyone's creative process, right? And it's typically the common theme is batch recording, batch inspiration, because you have to be very efficient with your time, right? Because social media, if you don't be, if you don't have a process for it, it's going to consume your life. Right. And you, and you think about it all the time. It's like, oh, I got to be content every day. Well, you end up batching it. Now you can manage your time better and for your mental health sake as well. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And I will say, so I actually just launched my YouTube channel three weeks ago, which is super exciting. It's like a new platform that I'm trying to grow into. And that's a whole other, whole other process too. You know, I'm so used to making short form video content. And long form video content requires a lot more preparation and research. And so I find that that's a whole different process where I actually have to sit down, do research, kind of like type out like the main points that I want to hit, and then actually sit down and record. 
And it it's fun learning all these different platforms and learning about different ways to create content. It's fun and also a little bit intimidating, but overall fun. As long as it's fun, right? That's the most important thing to keep you going every day. It's like, is it fun? Is it not fun? Does it feel like work? How can I adjust? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, your, your podcasting skills are awesome. Like you're making me want to listen to more podcasts. (laughs) And I appreciate that. Right. My goal as a podcast host is to make every single one of my guests very comfortable and ask questions that aren't typically asked, but that's like my, that's my goal on every single podcast. And I think the next part where I'm personally curious about is you becoming a new mom, right. And how that changed you from life before becoming a mom to becoming a mom and what, how your own perspective of the world changes and what you want to, what kind of values, kind of values do you want to instill in your kid? I think after becoming a mom, my priorities really shifted. And I think it's inevitable that your priorities will shift, right? Because you just don't have as much time as you used to. I think back to before I had a kid And I'm just like, what did I do every day with all those hours of free time and eight hours of sleep a day? Man, I must have been like functioning at my best every single day. I miss I miss the sleep. I won't lie. I miss the sleep. But because I have so much less free time now, I think I just really have to prioritize what am I going to focus on today? So as an example, before I became a mom, I was working full time for a hospital in the Bay Area, five days of clinic a week. But I always had this entrepreneurial dream that I wanted to have my own startup. And so on top of my full-time job and social media, I actually was also trying to launch a startup. And I worked on it for a year, the full year that I was pregnant. And in the end, it, it didn't work out. I actually ended up dissolving the company right before I gave birth. And thank God I did because there was no way, no way that I could have had a newborn while running a startup. And then also, you know, thinking about going back to work, but it it made, after having my son, I kind of took a good hard look at the things that made me happy in life. And I realized that what makes me happy in life are spending time with family, seeing patients the way I want to see them, doing research and mentoring students and content creation. And so now I am trying to create the life that I want. For the first three years after residency, I just went straight into hospital jobs where someone else basically dictated my schedule and told me everything I was going to do that day. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take back ownership of my schedule because I want time to spend with my son while he's little and always. And I deserve that. And so that's what my whole focus has become is building a life that I want and making my career fit into the vision of that life that I want to strive for. Ooh, I love that statement, right? Building the life that you want. I'm going to say that again, building the life that you want, right? That's awesome to hear. And I feel like more people need to hear that because oftentimes we build our life around other people's schedule, our careers. And we put the least amount of time for ourselves, especially, and our family, right? What you realize is that work is just, although it's a really big part of our life, but also a very small part of our life, right? And I think the mindset shift that a lot of us are getting into is that we can control the lifestyle that we want. It's quite scary. It's not easy. It takes a lot of planning, but it is possible, right? And once you figure out your core values of who you are as a person, what you want in life, what's most important to you, and then your universe are shifting around it, 
right? And that's the crazy part about like being clear and knowing what you want in life and making the world and the universe work around it. Absolutely. And I agree with you. It's scary. And I still feel guilt some days that I'm not working that typical hospital job, right? Because I think, well, I'm a dermatologist. I should just be in a hospital, you know, seeing patients from eight to six and, and doing what every, everyone else does. But, and my husband helps me a lot with this. Why do I have to fit into that mold if I can help people in a different way? It's not worse. It's just different. And I'm trying to, you know, wrap my mind around that. Of course, even for myself, I am also very much the same boat as you. I think that it's funny that we're having this conversation right now because a couple of days ago, I was talking to my fiance, Maggie, and I was like, I want to build a lifestyle around giving, storytelling, and traveling. <laughs> you know? And we yes. started like readjusting like the, the business format to make that possible. So I, I'm in the same boat as you, Joyce. I love that. I am going to, you know, five years from now, we're going to reconnect again. And I want you to tell me how far you've come in reaching that goal. Of course, we're going to stay friends forever, Joyce. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so this last part of the podcast, I want to talk about how, what kind of advice do you have for like other medical experts wanting to become like social media stars? And most importantly, what kind of advice do you have, do you have for other experts that want to take our advice we just said and shape their life around their core values and what they think is important? I think one thing that's a really important thing is to get over the fear, get over the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, like what's going to happen if I don't have this title, right? What's going to happen if I don't, if I'm not the leader of this team at work? Well, reframe it and think about it. Like what might happen if I had that extra time to do X, Y, and Z? And I think a lot of doctors and maybe healthcare professionals get caught up in not breaking the mold because especially as Asian Americans, we're taught to follow the path that is laid out for us. And in medicine, it's very easy to follow that path because you have to, right? You have to go through certain steps in order to even become a doctor. But what I think people don't realize is there's so much that you can do with your degree and your expertise and your passions. And if you want to, you don't have to be confined to just the clinic and the hospital walls. So I think getting over that mentality is a big step. And then secondly, for anyone who is interested in social media, I would say the first step is just to start creating content. And it's okay to look like a fool, to try different things, to make content and have it flop. That's okay. I find that some people, they'll ask me, oh, you know, I posted a few videos and it only got a couple of likes. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Well, I have posted so many videos that no one has liked and you just keep going. You just push past that. And sooner or later, you'll find your niche. You'll find what makes you unique and what makes people want to follow you and watch your content. And then one other tip I have is to connect with other creators like you in your community. Again, I've had doctors reach out and say, I put out content, but nobody interacts with it. So then I ask, well, are you interacting with other people's content? Because it's a two-way street. You have to build those relationships and build them in an authentic way in order to, you know, help create that kind of back and forth. 
those are those are really good tips, right? And I, I love them a lot, especially when interacting with other people. I think it's the underrated part of social media. That's honestly the best part, right? It's when you're meeting other creators in your field. And totally. You feel like you're not alone, right? You feel like, oh, wow, like I never thought of it that way or you never thought of it this way. The idea exchange itself is like ph- phenomenal, right? Absolutely. I've made so many friends off of social media and I recently moved actually to Seattle in December and I don't have many friends in Seattle, but I was able to actually link up with three or four other female physicians through social media and it's been great. They're wonderful. I love it. Well, if you guys are in Seattle, make sure you give uh, Dr. Joyce Park a ping and a follow on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hit me up. So, uh, so Joyce, how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you uh, for this podcast? Yeah, so I am on all of the all of the different platforms. So my handle is T E A with M D T with M D. My brother came up with that ten years ago on TikTok, on Instagram, Pinterest, and then I just launched my YouTube channel and the same handle there, T with M D. So, oh, and my blog, T with M D dot com. Awesome. We'll include, we'll include all of that in the show notes. But Joyce, thank you so much for being the podcast today. Thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I feel very honored to be here. Thank you so much. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.